This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, welcome to another edition of Author You, your guide to book publishing and as always, our goal is to add to your expertise, to give you fabulous tips, insights, and ahas that will take you to your next, next level, whatever that is. With us today is someone we have never had the pleasure of featuring on the show um, with us in the six years that we have been on. Marilyn Vanderbur is globally known. She is the author of... Uh, and we'll get into all the things about her book, but she is the author of the renowned Miss America by Day, the award-winning um, book that is used in colleges, universities um, across the United States. She is an inductee into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, and she is really going to be talking about part of the writing process of how do you put together a memoir, a book that is so deep, so personal, so scary in many ways, um, and as we process through this. So, Marilyn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Judith. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm, I'm just, you know, Marilyn is one of my favorite people in the world, so... <laughs> And Judith is one of my favorite people in the world. (laughs) You know, Judith, I've never had a mentor. Yeah, go ahead. I've never had a mentor. And after I wrote Miss America by Day, you contacted me and suggested I do certain things. And I'd never had anyone mentor or coach. And you were just brilliant. And I thank you for that. Well, you were easy to do. (laughs) It's, you know, it's, it's so much fun to work with people that number one are coachable. I'm sure Marilyn, you, you, you mentor people all over the world, wherever you go. I mean, I remember coming down an escalator and we were at the, um, at the Philadelphia airport. I don't know if you remember it, but we were coming down and when people recognized who you were, it was like, you know, the herd started approaching and, uh, <laughs> and and the herd started coming. I mean, we were having this lovely chat going down. Marilyn was going back to be a judge uh, for the Miss America pageant. I was there because I was on the advisory board of the Miss America pageant and I was the speaking coach for Miss America, whoever she was going to be that year. And it was phenomenal to see this group. And, and what we're talking about is impact. You know, uh, what happens as you listeners, as an author, you know, in your heart of heart, you have a book that is important. 
you know that you're not alone in what you're revealing, what you're sharing, what your your solutions, your insights are. You know you're not alone, and many should hear it. But what happens when they do? What happens when they do? And all of a sudden, you become the celebrity. So, Marilyn, what was happening when that, all that came about? Well, I became a celebrity when I became Miss America. Um, people right. younger than 50 will not remember this, but in 1958, <laughs> when I was crowned, it was the most watched show of the year. There was no Super Bowl. Well, that will take care of that. It was on NBC, and every, everybody sat down and watched it. So instantly, I became known. And then during the year, um, I traveled throughout America. I, I never I never wanted to be Miss America. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. So I, when I was a sophomore in college, I was a Pi Phi at the University of Colorado. And the only way you could get out of a meeting is if you had a long distance phone call. And my now husband, Larry, was calling me from his college. So I got to leave the meeting. And after the call, um, all the girls are leaving for their coffee dates. And two of the last girls out said, oh, by the way, you're our nomination for Miss University of Colorado. I didn't even know that was the local Miss America pageant. And I said, well, thank you very much, but I don't want to do that. And mm-hmm. they said, well, the meeting's over. Uh, the name has to be turned in tomorrow, so be a good sport. And I said, well, what do I have to do? And they said, well, you know, just walk down the runway. And then I saw them kind of looking at each other. And I said, what else do I have to do? Well, talent. And I said, what would I do for talent? And they said, you'll think of something. And then I saw them look and I said, what else do I have to do? And they said, you have to appear in a swimsuit. And I said, cannot, will not, that's not, can't do that. Um, And they said, well, it's backstage, just in front of the judges. And I thought, and that was true at the University of Colorado. That wasn't true for Miss Colorado or Miss America. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, so that was like April and I became Miss University of Colorado. In July, I was Miss Colorado. And the first week of September, as a sophomore in college, I was Miss America. It was not in my plan. Uh, I was on the ski team. I rode horses. Pageants were just not, they were just not my deal. Uh, it, it wasn't in your MO at the time. <laughs> it wasn't. And uh, the head of the pageant, uh, so I was crowned on Saturday night. There was a huge press conference. And then we went from Atlantic City to the Waldorf Astoria in New York in, with a limousine and police escorts, which meant we stopped traffic. The, the police would stop traffic because Miss America was coming through New York. So we checked in at the Waldorf on Sunday, and I'm guessing 1 o'clock-ish. And the head of the pageant said, honey, you just go upstairs and put on your prettiest outfit and you come right on down. So I put on something nice and I went down and she said, and she said, um, you're going to address the national mayor's convention. I said, I am. And she said, yes, they're in the ballroom right now. And your mayor is getting ready to introduce you. I said, what will I say? She said, anything you want to dear. I (laughs) I can't do that. And she said, of course you can, honey, you're Miss America. And that's how my year started. There was no coaching. No one ever gave me a thought. No one ever gave me a clue. No one ever gave me a suggestion. I was just thrown into the water and expected to swim. Wowza. 
Rausa. And of course, when I was involved, why you were a, the year that you and I were back there at the same time, where you were a judge during that time, I was sitting in the audience because I had the list of the uh, top 10 uh, women um, who were going to be identified and going down to them. And literally, Marilyn, I was, as we got down to the five, I was dropping them on the floor, the pages I had, because I knew I had to give her a couple of tips before she opened her mouth in front of all those mics as soon as she was off that stage. Yeah, no tips. None. And the final night of my, the final night of when I crowned the new Miss America, Mm -hmm. I had a three-minute talk. Three minutes is a very long time. And there was no teleprompter. I had spoken on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and on Saturday night, again, on the most watched show on television, I had to give a farewell speech. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't put it together. And about 10 nights before, I was just turning off my light. And all of a sudden, an idea came. I wrote it down. I never changed a word. It was exactly what I wanted to say. And I, I was really, I was really proud of it. Mm-hmm. And the idea was? Um, the idea was, uh, we're talking 60 years ago. Um, the idea was, I, the, the cities may blur in my memory, but you, the people, have become a part of me. Um, I will remember the little old lady in South Carolina who said, you truly are a Southern belle, which was the highest compliment mm. she could give mm-hmm. to a Miss Colorado. I will remember the blind boy who gently touched the face of a Miss America. So I talked about the people I had met that impacted my life that I would always remember. Mm-hmm. Which is so essential. I so, Now, you know, I didn't mention when I introduced you that we, you're also an Emmy winner. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's, let's talk about your journey uh, when you started writing. When did you feel that you needed to start writing? your book well um we need to start briefly at the beginning which i'm an incest survivor um from age five to age 18. i repressed my memories until i was 24 and then my memories came up um and i continue i I became a motivational speaker Uh, i was on television in new york but i i also began speaking and tv in new york and i was very successful at it but it left me hollow. I, I didn't feel, I, I didn't feel any meaning in it. And so one day in New York, my phone rang and this man said, um, would you be able to be the keynote speaker for the American Mining Congress in Pittsburgh on May 5th? And I said, let me look at my calendar. I hadn't, <laughs> I thought, okay, uh, opening keynote speaker. Mm, let's see. I wonder what that means. Okay. So I went back and I said, <laughs> yes, I'll be there. So I get there. I'm 22, maybe. Mm-hmm. I walk into the room. There's not a woman in the room and no one under the age of like 55. These are all the most successful people who own men who own their own businesses. And I'm going to talk about the importance of having goals. I just thought, please. And I can't, this is just swallow me up, please. I can't do this. And I thought, well, you're going to have to. Um, I got a standing ovation, which you, you did as Miss America. So I didn't think much about it, but I had five letters after that of men asking me to come to their communities to address different organizations. And one speech became five and five became a hundred and a hundred became 10,000. So 
I became, um, I was named the Outstanding Woman Speaker in America, which was great, except there weren't many women. <laughs> there wasn't right. much competition out there. All right. So, um, Marilyn, Marilyn, can you hold yeah. that thought? We're going to take our first break here. So, okay. what we're hearing, everyone, is really an evolution. It's going to be a reveal. She started the reveal, but the reveal of how you turn it um, into changing people's lives, but also your career. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author U extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author U is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at AuthorU.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, with us is the fabulous Marilyn Vanderber, and she is the author of Miss America by Day. I will tell you, she is uh, in the in the the founding, actually, the pioneering uh, induction class of the Authors Hall of Fame, the Colorado Authors Hall of Fame. She probably will be the only inductee who is a one book pony. <laughs> that um, that one book and some and most authors I always say that your books will breed more books and I know Marilyn could have written a lot more books but this is the book the book Miss America by I Day I said it all you said, it, said all. it all that's right lessons learned from ultimate betrayals and unconditional love so let's go back before the break you were talking about you had just been acclaimed the the best speaker in America. And so I'm, so the trauma of my father coming into my room for 13 years at night, I, I had memories, but I stuffed them. 
and continued my motivational speaking. When my daughter turned was turning 13, um, I was I was to address insurance men of North America. I don't know. There were like a thousand. They were all men in those days. There were no women at, 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 attending conferences, much less speaking. And I was introduced, and all of a sudden, just these voices in my head. I can't. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I, in my head, I'm saying, "You've done it a thousand times." I never. I never took a note with me. I spoke for an hour, mm-hmm. and I got through it. And I called my youth minister, who'd been really important in my life, and I said, "If you could just meet, meet my plane." And he drove me home, and it's the only time I've been in love with Larry from the time I was 15, and I'm now 84, so long, long time. It's the only time Larry ever said, done. And I said, I'm done. And from 45 to 51, I had to work through. And when the memories come up that have been repressed, Mm -hmm. they come up as if it's happening to you in real time. They were six years of just gut-wrenching, sobbing, therapy, sobbing, therapy, and writing. I wrote. I wrote because I had to write. I, I had to do anything I could think of to get better. I didn't know anyone ever got through the nightmare of reliving the memories. I, I, didn't, I didn't know it would ever stop. But when I was 51... I began to start feeling some normalcy and I began to think I was going to come through it and I was going to go back and be a speaker. What it felt like to me was if you were in prison in Vietnam and you managed to get out and you're boarding the flight, getting ready to go to California to be with your family. And all of a sudden as you're boarding, you're thinking, I have information that can help the others get out. You, you have to go back. So I knew I could not just go on with my life. The trauma had been so severe. So I did what I thought I never could do. Nobody could know I was an incest survivor. No one, because if that happened, my life would be over. I would no longer be respected. I would know my whole life would be gone. I truly, truly believe that. But I went to a child center here in Denver, and I had to tell two men that I was an incest survivor, one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I said, um, I want to establish an adult survivor program. I don't, no one can know I'm behind it. My name can never come up. But this journey was way too hard for me. So I'd like you to start an adult survivor program. And they said, come back with a quarter of a million dollars, and we'll do it. So I came back with a quarter million dollars. And it took them two years to set it up when I was 53 and still nobody can ever know this about me. Um, when I was 53, I got a phone call from one of the men and he said, we're ready to start our program with 10 survivors. And we're wondering if uh, the psychiatrist come and talk to you. And I said, sure. So he came over and he said, you're behind all of this. You're the one who's made it possible. Uh, I was going to have a survivor stand up and talk about it, but I'm asking if you would stand in front of 15 psychiatrists and 15 survivors in a small meeting and talk about why this was important. And inside I'm screaming, are you out of your mind? Of course I wouldn't do that. Um, But I said, I'll call you tomorrow. So I called two of my sisters and two of my nieces. And I said, I've been asked 
to talk to 30 people, um, and I want to know how you feel about it. And they all said in varying degrees, uh, we're okay with it. So the day I'm to speak, I get a, at 7 o'clock, I get a phone call around noon from someone who says, um, we think a reporter is coming. You think a <laughs> reporter is coming? You think? Uh, they call me back and they say, yes, a reporter from the Denver Post is coming. And if you don't show up, they know it's a celebrity. They will figure it out. Even if you're not there, they're going to figure it out. We know exactly what needs to be done. You give us your text. We go down to the post and we negotiate. We will tell the Denver Post who it is if they will print only your words. So your choice is having them write whatever they want to write, which they're going to do, or using words only. Using, I just felt so cornered. I just, mm-hmm. and I just said, I can't, I can't do this. I get a phone call from a best friend and she said, you're not thinking clearly. You have no choice here. I gave them my text. They went down to the post. Seven o'clock, I walk in at one minute of seven um, with my family. There were probably 40 people there. And a woman stands up and said, I'm a reporter from the Denver Post. And I said, you're the last person I want to see today. And the next morning, uh, it was on the front page of the Denver Post. And the next morning, it was on the front page of the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News. And that second day, reporters were calling me. A reporter called me uh, and said, they're, they're, they're calling your sisters. And I called my sister Gwen. I'm the youngest of four. She's the eldest. And I said, Gwen, if you want to talk about this, don't do it in Denver. Do it where you're living in San Francisco, because we're never going to get off the front pages. Her story appeared the next morning on the front page with my picture. I was so upset. Jennifer had just come home from her sophomore year at Duke. I said to Larry and Jennifer, I I have to get out of here. So we went to the track and we were running around the track and this woman stopped me. And she said, we're so proud of what you're doing, Marilyn. And we're so grateful. Your sister came forward this morning. I had not been happy about that. And I said, really, why? And she said, because yesterday on our most popular radio talk show, People were calling in and saying, why should we believe her? Now that your sister has come forward, they will have to believe you. I looked at her and I said, if people are not going to believe 53-year-old me, then who is going to believe a child? I went home. I called both newspapers, four television stations, and I said, let's get to work. And the rest is history. Literally. What's well, happened? so so it went it went to the front page of People magazine and the, the, the reporter from People magazine. Hours with her and it went to a cover story. And the second it came out, she called me and she said, we have five weeks to get a book out because someone's going to write a book of your story. We have five weeks. And I said, there will be no book. There will be no book. There will be no movie producers. I had 12 movie producers calling me, publishers calling me. There will be no book. And she said, then somebody's going to do a story about five girls and she's going to be Miss Universe. And I went out the back door and I took a long walk. And I thought, you know what? People are going to do what they're going to do. But for me, there's no book. And I said, absolutely not. So I began speaking. Um, I was asked to testify 
in front of a Senate subcommittee. And I said, I need to know what that means. Well, there'll be three people, three senators on one side and three of you on the other side. And I said, I, I think I could do that. That was true. What they didn't tell me is that there were 900 people behind me. The National Convention of Children's Advocacy Centers. And, and I had like 30 requests to speak in 30 different states. And that's, that's how I began uh, speaking. And I've spoken for 30 years. But well, still no book. It's still no book. Well, you just and and the thing is, they could have done someone could have done other books, but you know who knows uh, what what would have come of any of that because it wouldn't have been sanctioned by you and it probably could have been stopped easily at that time. Would you say? Um, I didn't write a book for eleven years. Um, I didn't write a book until I was sixty-five. Um, I. I had spoken to so many conferences and meetings in those 11 years. I would do four cities a week. I was just going, going, going. Mm -hmm. Average size audience, 600 to 1,000. And I began, I began to see a book in my mind and how educational it could be. Um, I talked to my families. Well, I had, uh, for instance, the Mayo Clinic asked me to address their doctors, and they said, Two may come, 250 may come. Well, 250 came. Um, and I, I spoke to judges. I had spoken to just such a wide variety of groups. And I wrote a letter to both sides of my family. And I said, this is what I want to do. And I enclosed letters from the Mayo Clinic and the, Denver, uh, and the National Judges Association. And I said, I'm educating, educating, educating. I want to tell my story in an educational way. And again, with varying degrees, all of them said, it's okay. And so I started going to Vail. We have a condominium in Vail. Without Vail, I, I would not have written the book. I left, uh, I wrote from Tuesday morning at five o'clock. I wrote for 12 hours, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every week. Um, it was off season, so there was no one in my building. I had complete quiet. I had five boxes of re fascinating research to me the to me the reason i kept speaking for so long is and this will shock you 14 year olds comprised of sex offenders of any age group 14 year olds did i speak you bet i did did i tell parents go home and talk to their children you bet i did did they go home and talk to their children they did. One man, one man came up to me after a banquet. He was in a tux and he always oh, very, just such a good looking older man. And he said, okay, I get it. Um, I don't, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to start. And I said, well, what if you started by saying last night I attended a banquet and this woman told me that this is a conversation I need to have with you kids. I'm not comfortable with it. I hope that you'll be more comfortable talking to your children, but here we go. I said, can you do that? He said, I can do that. All right, Marilyn, let's hold it on that, and we'll come back on our next break with I Can Do That. This is Author You, your guide to book publishing. With me is Marilyn Vandenberg, and we're talking about the journey to how she wrote her one and only sensational book.
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one -on -one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, we're halfway through, and with us today is Marilyn Vanderbur, who is the author of Miss America by Day. She is the in two Halls of Fame, one the Colorado Authors Hall of Fame, as well as the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. So Marilyn has made, with her presence, with her words, with her wisdom, uh, with her perseverance, such an impact not on a few people, not on a hundred people, a thousand people. We're talking about millions of people. And that's what I think authors dream of doing, that their words make a difference. Marilyn, he was saying, uh, we left it at the break, that he could do that, I think. With the, with the after, after, every, after every speech, people lined up. Mm -hmm for as much as many as three hours. Sometimes I wouldn't leave a room until midnight. People, men and women would line up to tell me their stories. And they were fascinating stories. And they told me that I had given them hope. What I became was what I didn't know existed. And that is, I got through it. I I have peace, I have joy, I have serenity. I got through the craziness of six years of reliving the memories. And as I began to, I began to realize how many lives I, because at this point I'm now speaking about my life story, I realize I can give survivors the information that I didn't have when I was going and their support people for for Larry, it's amazing that a marriage stays intact. It's a, it's a very, very difficult journey. But during those 11 years before I wrote a book, before I decided to write a book, a book had not been a, a movie, never. 
But as I beca- as, um, began talking to me and telling me what impacted their lives about what I said, I thought I could reach so many more thousands of people. And so, again, I began going to Vail in the off-season, and I wrote uh, three days, 12 hours. And I had all my boxes. I'd done research for years. I had five boxes of if I needed to know a statistic, there it was. I knew what box it was in. I knew how to put it in there. And I would tell my, I would write and write and write. And then I tell myself, this is not a gotcha book. <laughs> You're not going to talk about this person that <laughs> was really nasty to you in your life. That's not what it's about. It's an educational book. Um, and it began coming together. Um, it took me, I'm guessing, I'm guessing six months but I had written all during this time just for my own physical health, just to get it out of me. I didn't have a purpose for writing. I was not writing a book during those years, but I was writing and distilling. Um, I was told that I would need a writer, someone to write it. I did not agree with that. Um, and as it came together, I flew to New York to get a literary agent, interviewed somebody I liked very much, uh, came home, and my daughter opened the back door, came up the steps, and she was crying. And I said, you're pregnant? And she said, yes. And I said, I have seven months to get a book out. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, that'll do it. So, I have seven months to get a book out. All of a sudden, I have to I have to be completely free with my grandchild. So I called uh, the head of the Tatter Cover, which is our major bookstore in Denver, and I said to Joyce, "How do you get a book out in seven months?" And she said, "You self-publish." Self-publish? I'm going to be in New York. No, not if you want to get it out in seven months. She said, "This is who you call." So I called this woman, and we talked, and I said, "Okay, um, it's a deal." Larry came home. Um, Larry's an attorney. My daughter's an attorney. My son-in-law is it. Everybody's an attorney. I had called an attorney at my daughter's law firm, and her name was Julie. And I said, Julie, um, I'm going to ask you to be on the phone. You're just going to say yes, 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 because I want to sign with this woman. Um, and then I will write you a letter saying I don't hold you liable for anything. Larry comes home, and I said, Jennifer's having a baby. And I signed a book contract. <laughs> Larry said, you signed a book contract? I want to see it. I said, never. You will never, you will never see it. Never. Not, not, that's not happening. Um, and so I, I wrote the book and sent it to this woman who gave it to an editor. The editor wrote back her comments um, and some passages she had changed. And one long example that she had taken out, and it is a long example about me in a hotel um, and finding out that I'm the only person in the hotel. I couldn't lock the door. It's just, it's a long story, but it lets you see inside the mind of someone who has for 13 years. And it, it lets people understand the craziness in your mind that you can go through. I, I thought it was really an important thing to keep in the book. Um, I, I, I couldn't have liked the editor less. My contact and I said, I'm, I'm not asking for any change in money, but I'm not using her. 
my daughter's just had a baby. She has three months of leave, and she and I are going to edit the book. And Jennifer and I would read it. I had never told Jennifer or Larry, nor had they ever asked me exactly what my father did to me. Jennifer and Larry never asked me that question. I handed Jennifer chapter two, and I said, does this go in or out? And she read it, and she said, it goes in. So Jennifer and I edited, couldn't have been happier with it, um, published it. When I went to the tatter cover, where I was to a, a really, a, what do you call it? A book a speech, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, book, I, signing. I the, book signing. Book signing. Yes. Yeah. I said to the woman, uh, you're going to have to have like a hundred more chairs than you have. And she looked at me like, you're so self-important. Really? We've got plenty of chairs. No, 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 we don't have plenty of chairs. <laughs> they brought in every chair they had. People were sit, standing on the side, sitting on the steps. We must have had 300 people there. Um, And, of course, everyone bought a book. I did not seek a newspaper interview. The Denver Post called me and said, and she said, I've read your book. I'm asking if I could interview you about it. And I said, I'd be happy about that. And then the news called and said, we'd like to do it. So I didn't seek any of this, but they came to me. and so I self-published and kept speaking. And after every speech, the book would be for sale. And I would sell anywhere from 100 to 150 books after every talk. Um, it's, been, it's been probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done is to help survivors understand their process to help support people, to help families. If you're a mother or your father and your child has been sexually assaulted, this is not just something they get over. I had a woman say, I got very involved in her life. Her name is Tamika. Tamika was raped when she was eight. And her mother said, you know, we've talked to her about it and she's fine. And I said, she isn't fine. And she said, yeah. And I said, may I pick her up after school, please? May I, may, may I please be involved in her life? In fact, she's on the video that I got the Emmy for. Uh, they did a documentary of my life, and Tamika is on that video. Um, then I put up a website, and anyone could email me. So I had emails from a woman in China um, she said, we only have one Western bookstore. I went there and your book, your book was there in China, Thailand, Iceland, just all over the world. I would get these emails. It was translated. I had a woman call me from Germany. She said, I need you to speak in four years at my big national convention. And I said, I'm not flying to Germany. Uh, over the four year period, I just grew to love her. I just loved her. And I said, okay, I'll come to Germany. So the book was published in German. And I spoke to all, they were all therapists, which was fascinating. I continued speaking, continued. I, I would spend four to six hours a day, every day, responding to people on my website. It was, it was so time-consuming. Some people would email me three times a day. I would answer three times a day 
because I understand they need to hear from you now because they have said something unspeakable. And I know I'm not worthy and I know she'll never respond to me and uh, just all the stuff that goes on in her head. So you have to respond immediately. My husband got very sick two years ago. He almost died. Um, and it was a, a long, a pronounced long re- recovery. And I shut down my email website. There are still survivors mm-hmm. who have my personal email. Mm-hmm. And all these people were buying books. Oh, so uh, however many years after my book was published, I had a publisher call me. We'd like to buy your book. Mm-hmm. I said, I'd love that. Let's talk. Okay. So we talked about 30 minutes. And she said, you know, um, you kind of have two books here. I said, I know. And she said, um, the title, I said, the title, Miss America by Day. <laughs> Could there be a better title than that, Miss America by Day? I said, so are you telling me that if you buy the book and publish it, that you will make those decisions? Well, we'll consult with you, but you will have the final say? Yes. And I said, well, it's been so wonderful talking to you, and I so appreciate your interest, and I will not be, I will not be doing that. And I don't regret that for one second. I don't want somebody taking my words and rearranging them. It just didn't feel good to me at all. So for me, and then you, and then you called, <laughs> you said, you need to submit your book for these awards. And I said, that's ridiculous. This book isn't going to win an award. I wasn't excited the night I was crowned Miss America. When a woman called me, I'm like 65 and said, you just won first place in writer's digest book publishing. Cunt. I was jumping up and down. Like I just won Miss America. That's what I should have done when I was Miss America. That was one of the most exciting unexpected moments of my life. And I thank you, Judith, for that. You're so welcome. We're, we're, we're just right up to our final break here. But what, what Marilyn just revealed to all of you is how imperative, especially when you have memoirs in place, how imperative it is is to take control of your words, of your storytelling, of how you do your reveals. And one of the things that happens when you turn over to an outside, a traditional publisher, is you get pushed into the background. They really don't care a heck of a lot. They may consult with you, but they can change anything. And that is always not a good deal. We'll be right back. This is Judith Bryles. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. 
You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With this is Marilyn Vanderbur. She's the author of Miss America by Day, um, a, a the first place first prize place grand winner in the Writers Digest uh, national competition when it finally came together, and she she did really a, an amazing reveal when she shared that here she she had a national publisher that wanted to do this and that, and she was signing, and then she realized. You know, this is the wrong fit. And I think the courage of an author to be able to say, um, to break away from, let's say, New York, the the, the uh, goal so many authors have is to be published by a New York publisher, to say that this is, this is the wrong fit because my words won't come out the way I want them, that even my title may be totally altered. Um, because it doesn't fit into with their game plan, takes a lot of guts and courage, and you know your book. So, Marilyn, what I would love to do is is go through. Uh, if if you were if you were sitting across from me and I was a newbie and I was thinking of doing my life story, my memoir, what would be some of the things that you tell me to start in putting it together? One through ten. Oh, good. One through what ten. Is- I, uh, yeah. <laughs> what is your in, what is your intention? Okay. That's exactly what you need to decide. What is my intention? I did not write my book so people would learn more about me. I wrote my book so people would know more about themselves. So that every, whatever is in there, you're reading it. It's causing you to think about yourself towards the end where it's very educational, like why don't children tell, um, 
you're you're writing to people who have children in their lives who need to have more understanding. A woman said to me, why did you want to ruin your father's reputation? Mm-hmm. Um, I came from a beautiful family. My father was, this, this, is, this was really important. My father's obituary was on the front page of the Denver Post. A businessman's obituary usually doesn't run on the front page. Um, he was extremely successful. The editors of the News and the Post both knew him well. He had died before my story came out. Never once did the paper say Marilyn alleges. Never once did they say Marilyn alleges. And because they called me a woman of courage, and it was, it was in the, it was on the front page maybe five times. It just, it was just long, 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 long articles. They were calling me a woman of courage. So a survivor is saying, really? She's an incest survivor. And they're calling her a woman of courage. Do you think maybe I could be a woman of courage? I'll never forget when the news called mm-hmm. one day and she said, you've been selected one of the 10 best dressed women in America. And I said, have you met me? <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and then it, I did say that to her. Have you met me? And then all of a sudden it flashed in my mind. The day a psychiatrist called me and he said, I have a survivor in my office. Could you come immediately? And I said, immediately. So I went to his office and her name was Susan. And I sat down across from Susan. She could not speak. Um, she looked at me. She started uh, with my hair, looked at my face, looked at my arms, looked at my legs, never said a word to me. I said, Susan, how can I be helpful to you? So I, I, an address is what she wanted. And she said, how, how did you get clean? And mm. Susan was in my mind right after I said to the Rocky Mountain News, have you met me really? I'm not one of the 10 best dressed women. <laughs> I thought of Susan and I said, thank you for that honor. Thank you. How can I be helpful to you? So I became um, the light. I became, and oh, what, the first night I spoke in Denver, there were, it was not announced. There were 1,100 people there. I said to Jennifer, again, she had come home from her sophomore year at Duke. I said, they're going to want to see that you can have an amazing child. They're going to need to see that a marriage can come through trauma. So Larry introduced Jennifer and Jennifer introduced me. Um, one other thing about a book, you need pictures, but they need to be appropriate. You don't put a picture in just to put a picture in. Um, I needed to show my family because I, I was known as the debutante, please don't gag, the debutante Miss America. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, truly, I was, I was in the first group of Debs in Denver. Yeah. Um, because my family, my family was such a beautiful family. Oh, but if you look behind the door, you're going to find trauma in this family. Isn't anything. There's one other thing I could not have written my book with my mother living as much as she was so devastatingly hurtful to me. I could not have spoken the truth about her with her living. She, she's a major part of the book. And I didn't think about it at the time, but I didn't 
finish it. I was writing it when she was still living, but I didn't finish it until after she died. Larry's mother was still living. Larry's wonderful. Oh, I married into the best family. She lived to be 96. Oh, she was just, she was what, what you want as a mother, not mine. Um, but what is your, why are you writing your memoir? Why? Okay. All right. So what's your intention? The intentionality. All right. What's next? What would be next on my list? Examples. Okay. You write through examples. You don't give, you may give a statistic, but then you tell a story. And I think that's what I gained in those 11 years of speaking and traveling or story. I had so many stories about people. So you say something and then you give an example. Um, you need to tie it together. You need to end it with power. I'm trying to think. Oh, I think I ended mine by saying, um, I think I said my life has been truly blessed. And a woman said to me, <laughs> you've just told us about this incredible trauma you've been through and your life is truly blessed. I said, yes, my life has been truly blessed. I have the most incredible husband ever, a daughter that just brings me joy. Yes, my life is blessed. Did I have trauma? I wouldn't want to live my life again. I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to go through that again. But that does not mean that my life wasn't filled. You know, without that, I had a reporter say to me one day, so would you go through your 13 years of your father in order to do the work you're doing? I said, of course not. No, I would. No, I wouldn't go through that. No, but that's the hand I was dealt. So. Let's use it for good. Let's use it for good. Mm -hmm. And I never, ever wasn't thinking about why are you writing that? And oh, so one of the reasons I wanted to write a book was on forgiveness. I wrote 13 pages on forgiveness and I wrote it, wrote it, wrote it, wrote it. And then I have to delete, 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 <laughs> much deleting, <laughs> many hours of deleting. Um, you 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 write it and then you look at it and say mm, I can pare that down, and yet the story of the hotel that night at the hotel, the reader needed to go through every minute of that night with me. It was so terrifying to me, to so that no one again will say, well she was raped but she's fine. No, no, she may have come through it like I did after six intense years of every kind of therapy you can think of, but it changes our lives forever. Mm -hmm. um, and for this woman, this, you know, my daughter was raped when she was eight and she's fine. No, 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 she's not fine. Um, she was black. I got Maya Angelou's um, tape of when she was raped when she was eight and I ran it fast forward and when I brought this eight-year-old home with me, I put the cassette on and she's listening as Maya Angelou talks about what, how she felt when she was raped at eight. And um, Tamika, and she's happy that I use her name, um, was very grim-faced. And then all of a sudden, a policeman knocked on the door and said, we just want you to know 
the man has been stomped to death in an alley. And she smiled. So I've been in Tamika's life since she was eight and she's probably 35 now. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I think what you're sharing as we do a wrap up here is is you're sharing is that you the vulnerability is huge when you do a memoir. Everybody, you Mm. need to understand Mm. that. As an author, number one, as an author, when you go out there, whether you're talking about nonfiction, how to build your business, where you're talking about nutrition, where you're doing your storytelling as these amazing fiction authors that have these wild ideas that I never can understand where they come from, but they're amazing, that you're vulnerable. And I think that when you, because people take shots at you, let me tell you that it's amazing what can happen. Um, and Marilyn, you've experienced that where people, I, I, I had someone in my office and I was talking about you to them just within the last year. And they said, well, I, I can't believe any of that happened. My wife said it did, but I can't believe. And I said, then oh, you- I had a woman say that to me at a cocktail party. Yep. Um, I, I had <laughs> the night of the Colorado Authors Hall of Fame. I mm-hmm. had a woman say to me, I believe you, but my husband doesn't. Yes, exactly. Said, Are you still married? Are you still married to him? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> say that to me. Yeah. My husband doesn't believe you. Well, yeah. I know a lot about him. I, I I know a lot about him. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's what here's what I said to him, and I've got thirty seconds here. Here's what I said to him. That I said, you know, I can be very forgiving, and I don't know if you are just plain ignorant or are you embracing the <laughs> stupidity factor. With that said, <laughs> with that said, Marilyn Vandenberg, thank you so much for being with us on this episode of Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. Thank you for the amazing work you do, Judith. You've touched my life. Oh, and you mine. All right, everyone, we'll see you next week. Have a great writing week. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryle.